0: From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams.
1: I, I find that the greatest leaders are people of, of character. They're, they're adept at building relationships. They are, they are good communicators. They're, they're confident as well. And, and there is a difference between being confident and being arrogant. And uh, great leaders never cross that line, or, or when they cross that line, they're willing to acknowledge it and know that they've done it.
0: That's Steve Dickens talking about the qualities inherent in great leaders. We'll hear more from Steve in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. Is your accounts payable process causing headaches? Mineral Tree provides HIPAA compliant easy to use end-to-end accounts payable and payment automation solutions. MineralTree is the leading AP and payment automation provider in healthcare and they'd love to show you why. To learn more, visit mineraltree.com/mgma. It's time to take a closer look at how you run your business. MetaVolve can help you find solutions to the following questions. Are you overstaffed in your medical billing department? Do you know where your physician practice is losing money? Can you easily benchmark your data against similar practices? If you don't know the outcomes your staff are producing every day, you aren't operating successfully. Go to metavolve.com. To learn how you can find those solutions today. Our guest today is Steve Dickens. Steve has his FACMPE, his JD, and he's Vice President of Medical Practice Services at SVMIC. Steve joins us today for the first episode of MGMA's new leadership podcast series. Steve, thanks so much for joining us
1: today. Oh, well, thank you for having me, Daniel. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, this is part of a new podcast series with MGMA on leadership. We're gonna talk a lot about leadership today. So so to uh, set the stage on that, Mm -hmm. how do you define great leadership or successful leadership?
1: Uh, well, there there are a lot of qualities and characteristics to great leaders, and you know there there are a few that I've narrowed it down to. But but beyond that, great leaders are individuals who are focused on people, uh, the people who work with them, the people who work for them, the people they work for, the people they're taking care of, and and they're focused on the mission of whatever it is they're trying to do, whether it is a business or a charity or some other volunteer organization, whatever it may be, they, they understand what the goal is and they move things along to do it. And I, I find that the greatest leaders are people of, of character. They're, they're adept at building relationships. They are, they are good communicators. They're, they're confident as well. And, and there is a difference between being confident and being arrogant. And uh, great leaders never cross that line, or, or when they cross that line, they're willing to acknowledge it and know that they've done it. But I, I, I think great leaders just
0: care. They care about mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. I love that you say that because you brought in that idea of self-awareness because we're not infallible. We're not perfect no. uh, as human beings. We all uh, uh, can have some mistakes and stumbles here, but it's having that self-awareness And admitting it, acknowledging it. And I'll just bring up an example. We see time and time again of a public figure who maybe commits an indiscretion or has a misstep of some type. And it seems like they wind up getting in more trouble when they don't admit it. They try to cover it. It's the cover up that gets. And if we just go, you know what, I stepped stepped in it on that one. And I don't want to just, you know, just... You know, uh, well, you've got to own it. You're you're right. I'm
1: you know you say that, and there are several examples that come to mind there. But you are right. We are all human. We all do things that that we would not want our mother to know that we've done. Uh, But the easiest thing to do, or the best thing to do, is is to admit it and go on. And you talk about that self awareness. Uh, I love people who challenge me. That is that is one of the things that I really value about my employees. And, and I hope that they do feel this way, or they certainly show that they do, is that they will say, you know, have you thought about this? Or I don't think that'll work. And a good leader is open to that. I certainly don't have all the best ideas. My job is to kind of corral it together and get us in a direction. Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, we're going to try to challenge you a little bit here today and, and pick your brain on leadership and what's helped shaped you. So let's dig a little deeper on that first, then let's go back into Steve Dickens's history and kind of figure out what shaped you as a leader. Um, you have that FACMPE, you have your JD, um, you're currently vice president of medical practice services at SVMIC. So... Let's talk about that. What set you on that career path? What got you going there in this direction in the first place?
1: Well, it actually
0: was all an accident.
1: <laughs> and in um, a series of good people, a series of relationships, I had finished my bachelor's in business. And as I was nearing the end of that program, decided to stay on and get my master's. And I actually have a master's degree in education. Uh, specifically educational psychology and my goal was to work in higher education and which you know to to advance to any level requires a PhD uh, at that point I was six years into school was really kind of sick of it kind of tired of it, you know, it was we it was the early, early mid 90s and was like, OK, I, I need to take a break, I need to deal with some of these student loan issues before I go on and figure out what it is I want to do here and had a, a good friend or fraternity brother uh, who was the controller at the local hospital and said, hey, you know, know that, you know, you're about to graduate, get done with this and and what what you're trying to do here. And he said, why don't you come work for me for a year? come work in the business department. Uh, We're having some problems. We're having some staffing issues. Come give me a year, straighten it out. And then you can go off to Ohio State or Florida State or whatever and get your PhD. Well, so I took the job and I stayed at the hospital 10 years. (laughs) But, um, you know, the thing was, I began developing relationships with people and i enjoyed what i was doing and my career began to grow and uh you know it was of course very hospital oriented at that point before i was so much on the medical practice side we did work with medical practices we had doctors i opened all of our rural health clinics worked a lot with home care but through that experience realized there's a future here and i can make a difference with these people and you know, had a lot of employees were doing a lot of good stuff. Healthcare was, you know, just at a different place in the 90s and early 2000s. And through that made the decision, you know, okay, really kind of tired on the hospital side here. It's very bureaucratic. And that was when hospitals were selling and going public and private and all those changes. And had developed some relationships with some of our uh, referring physicians and one of them convinced me, hey, leave that, come over, run our group. So I left uh, to go run an ER staffing group and a mid-sized multi-specialty uh, group. And that was when I found MGMA.
0: Okay.
1: The, one of the things that the doctor said to me is, you know, we know you've been very active in the hospital association. You've been active in the home care association. And he said to me, those aren't our people. And he said, We we want you to get involved in MGMA. We know that you'll do what you did. And so I literally started, went to my first local chapter meeting. And uh, the speaker that day was a past chair of ACMPE, uh, had been the treasurer to the MGMA board. And so it just kind of grew from there. Mm -hmm. I, I got involved in MGMA. And in conjunction with this along the way, there had always been a piece of me that wanted to go on and get that doctorate degree. And Mm -hmm. obviously I gave up on the higher education piece and decided that I wanted to, um, had been looking at getting my law degree Mm -hmm. and realized that with my background in healthcare and a legal education, I could begin to do different things. So I went to law school while I was running the group and that opened up doors and opportunities. I ended up moving to Nashville where SVMIC is headquartered. And when I did, that opened the conversation to, hey, you live here, we have a job opening. And so 14 years later, here I am, and I have the best job in the world because I work with an amazing group of people and we get to help doctors run their practices and take great care of their patients. So again, it was all kind of an accident but the key piece of that trajectory was the people i kept meeting mm-hmm. kept meeting that was mm-hmm. what kept me involved and wanted me to do it and and got involved you know with MGMA you it just it's just been a great trip
0: right that that's a great story and it's one of those happy accidents in life <laughs> but but what you yes. brought up first was it was a fraternity brother who suggested you know that got you there it was that People skills that you have. I've seen you speak in person, you connect with people. And so, being, and it's not a a marketing uh, moment here for fraternities per se, but it's that networking, it's developing friends, it's having respect for people, understanding people that someone would think enough of you to say, Hey, Steve, I know you're still in school, but why don't you come over here and work with us for a year? So, Talk about that. Talk about relationships, what that's meant. And you can even go into the side of it of mentors, people who have. I know there have been happy accidents along the way, but there have been those people who have helped forge and shape you along the way as well.
1: Absolutely. And you're right. It is about relationships. And and to your point, I know that there are a lot of varying opinions about fraternities and there are good and bad in every organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we, we've seen it with our politicians, we've seen it with our public figures and, you know, whether it's a fraternity or the accounting club or your little or your, you know, athletic team or whatever it is, it is about those groups of people. It is about those relationships and making those, those connections. And that has been the key to, you know, you have to have friends, you have to be a friend Mm -hmm. and to, help other people when you can help them really repays it. And I've learned that lesson along the way when I was looking at, okay, well, what do I want to do now? What is the next step? And I remember getting a phone call from Dick Hansen, who at the time was the director vice president of consulting at MGMA and said, Hey, you know, want to talk to you about maybe if you would want to come join our team as a consultant at MGMA. And I had never talked to Dick and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we'd met, we'd never had any conversation interest about this, but found out he had called me because somebody else that he respected had said that she respected me and had given him my name. And, you know, obviously we I didn't do it. It wasn't the right time or place, but there have definitely been people like that. There've been mentors. I think back to my earliest mentor, she was an RN she actually had developed the home care agency at the hospital. So here I am, I'm in my early twenties and here's this successful woman. And I don't think she would care for me to say this, but she was as country as cornbread (laughs) and I, and she, she's just hilarious. I, you know, we, we still stay in touch, um, you know, a couple of times a year, but you know, having been on this path that, you know, I want to be educated in these things. And, and I know how I talk, or I know how people perceive how I talk and the accent and all those things. But she just embraced who she was. And she used it to her advantage, because people underestimated her. And she taught me the lesson, be who you are. Yeah. And, and that has always stuck with me, I am who I am, and the way I am. And it doesn't take away from my talents or skills or abilities. and. So that was one of the, the first things. And she opened a lot of doors to me and introduced me to a lot of people. And you know, I, I was always happy to listen to her, to hear her stories, to learn from her experiences. And, and as the years have gone on, uh, I mentioned that that first local MGMA chapter meeting I went to the speaker was a past chair of ACMPE. Well, it was Tom Stearns. And Tom Stearns uh, is the overlord of MGMA in the state of Tennessee, and you know, and so the opportunity to meet him and to open his network, and uh, and since then there have been so many other MGMA leaders. I think of all the the board chairs and board members that I've worked with, the people who, you know, saw something in me that let me proceed through committee chairs and eventually to the board. And there's something to learn from all of those people, uh, whether it's a harsh lesson that they've learned or a bit of advice. And, you know, the, the thing about having a mentor is, again, you have to be willing to put aside that ego to listen to someone else. Whether you choose to take the advice or not is up to you, but you can't go into it that I know more than you do. You can't go into it and get your feelings hurt because you hear something that you don't like. So, there, you know, I, I think about, you know, Alan Beeson, Sheena Scott, some of those other great MGMA leaders, you know, Sarah, Sarah Holt and Chris Schoen, just, just so many people, too many people to name, but each one of them, uh, Donna Knapp, you know, the, the opportunity just to sit and listen to, that's the best part of an MGMA conference in my opinion is the networking and the people that you get to connect with.
0: Mm -hmm. Talk about paying it back then, because so you started, uh, you know, in those early 20s, you found those mentors, but as you progressed in your own career, you've become a leader in the industry. And so what's it meant to you to be a mentor and to be able to share some of that experience um, with others as well? Well,
1: I, I, I have been very fortunate and I have been very blessed and, and certainly there have been dark days, uh, things that I wish, you know, I had avoided or could have undone. But when I do think back on my career trajectory, there are two defining experiences. One is my fraternity experience, which instilled in me this belief of community service and this belief that we walk in the path of uh, those who have come before us and therefore it is incumbent upon us to leave it better than we found it. The second defining experience has been MGMA which has done the same thing for me. Uh, So in one aspect I've had this opportunity that enhanced my personal life. And then I've had this opportunity that has made all the difference in my professional life. And I'm quite cognizant of the fact that I would not be where I am and enjoy the life that I enjoy had it not been for those relationships I developed in MGMA. And, you know, having grown up in a small town and, you know, basically rural tennessee and you know the idea of getting to go to college much less end up with you know uh, a law degree or be vice president of a billion dollar corporation were just all pipe dreams and there are other people out there that can benefit from those experiences and i just think it's awfully arrogant of someone to think that they got anywhere that they got by themselves. Now, most of us can mess our lives up pretty easily by ourselves, but I don't think anyone really achieves a true measure of success alone. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the responsibility to, to pay it back, to pay it forward, to leave it better than you found it. If you don't do that, I, I think that it's reflective of your character. It's, it's selfish. Mm-hmm who, you know, I've met so many people, you know, who have, you know, been in leadership roles and, you know, whether it's as a president of an organization or a chairperson or whatever, and someone comes behind them and they're so critical or, you know, the person who follows them can do nothing right. And just because they do things differently and maybe because they do things better, I, I think you should celebrate those successes. I I want every organization I've been in, I want the person behind me to do better than I did.
0: That's awesome. So Mm -hmm. we've been talking about what we can learn from other people. Uh, Having seen you give a presentation on numerous occasions, you also love to absorb information and, and bring tools that you get from books that you've read. So Mm -hmm. Is there a book or a couple of books you want to share with us that have helped shape your leadership style? Sure.
1: Um, You know, there are a lot of different different authors that I like. I like John Maxwell. got the opportunity to meet him a few years ago at MGMA. I I like Dr. Mary Kelly. You see her a lot on the MGMA circuit. But there there are really two books that I think are are my guiding arch. I, I love... Uh, Tracy Spears, she is um, a frequent speaker at MGMA. And, you know, her books on leadership are just so down to earth. They're, they're just so, you know, they're, they're not elementary, but leadership is simple. Mm -hmm.
0: It's just not easy.
1: (laughs) And she does a great job of walking you through the path of how to Craft who you are, how to uh, work with other people, you know, and, and she makes it about, you know, about the job and you know, she does a good job of separating, you know, a good leader is able to separate an employee's performance from who they are as a person. And I think that's important to, you know, too many people will, you know, make decisions about people based on their personal lives or those types of things. And it, it really should be about their performance. And, and so I think Tracy does a good job with that, with her leadership books. Uh, but then there's also a little book. Um, and I'm not sure that it's so much a leadership book as it is just a life skills book, but uh, H Jackson Brown, he is a, he is a Tennessee author, but his book um, life's uh, little book of instructions.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: just one of those little quick reads. You probably can read it in 30 minutes, but it is uh, just this collection of one-liner, two-liner sentence things of little pieces of advice that he had compiled and put together for his son when he went off to college. What I love about it are the takeaways of the things that they're the little things that people maybe don't notice if you don't do them, but they are the things that people notice if you do do them. Mm -hmm. And it's about again it's about character. I I think character is the most important element of who a leader is and many people will pretend to be something and then be someone else when they don't think anyone is watching. Well there's there's always someone watching and that's what I love about um Mr. Brown's book is that it puts all those things together um and you know, doing things without looking for the credit of them. And it's again, it's, it's just one of those nice little things. I keep it out. I actually can see it across the room right now as I sit here and look at it mm-hmm. over there. Um, but it's just it's just a nice reminder of the simple things that we should be doing as people.
0: That's great. Um, what we'll do is uh, in the show notes of this episode, I will share links to Tracy Spears' books and Mr. Brown's book as well. So our audience can click on that if they want to get a copy of those books or just do a little more research on them. So thanks for sharing those. I want to switch gears now. I want to put leadership into context of what we've all been going through since March of 2020 with the pandemic. It has really challenged Mm -hmm. leaders, challenged anybody, but Particularly if you're in that leadership role, it's challenged you as well. So, what does that experience reveal to you as a leader? Well,
1: first and foremost, it has confirmed a belief, a longstanding belief I have, that in times of crisis, we learn who people are. Uh, We learn who they are, both good and bad. And we we have seen that. We've seen the very best come out of people. Look at what our what our physicians, our nurses, our healthcare workers have done. And, and we, we need to remember, it's not just the doctors and the nurses. It also is the people who are supporting them, the people who are the ward clerks, the, the custodial staff, the maintenance staff, all those people who are doing that who have continued to show up and do their jobs. We we've seen the very best come out of them, but then we've also seen people who just couldn't deal with it. So, uh, it, it has revealed that to me but I, I believe that it has um, forced all of us to be more innovative to be more strategic. I, I never particularly thought of myself as um, an innovative or creative person <laughs> but um, you know I had someone say something to me a couple of weeks ago about that I thought well you know I guess what we have been doing is pretty innovative. Uh, to, to think what my team has done that we always traditionally have done face-to-face because we valued that relationship. We've had to step back and say, okay, how do we translate this into a virtual world and still manage to connect with those people in a meaningful way? So uh, I, that, that has been exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think good leaders are also lifelong learners and have to be willing to embrace the the technology of it was in a strategic planning meeting a couple of weeks ago for, for work and really got kind of excited about some of the things that we're looking at and talking about that, taking the experience that we've had the last 18 to 20 months now and still being very unsure where we're going with all of this. What do we take and do with this moving forward? So I like the challenge of, literally reinventing ourselves almost every day at this point. So it that that has forced us to be sharper, it's forced us to get out of our comfort zone, it's forced us to get out of our our little box and this is the way that we've always done it and think, okay, how do I do this? Not only differently, but how do I do it better? And also, uh, you know, thinking about, okay, well, do we really need to do everything that we were doing? What, what should we stop and what should we start? So it's, it, aside from the horrors of the pandemic itself, uh, it has been an exciting time for innovation and strategic planning.
0: hmm mm-hmm. I want to follow up on that then. So in addition to what you were talking about, what are some key lessons that you've learned you know, that you've been able to add to your toolbox as a leader over these past 20 months that you found either through actually being in the trenches and working with people, it sent you off uh, to think and contemplate and come back and, and maybe made you a uh, Steve Dickens 2.0 leader here, something <laughs> like
1: that. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the importance of flexibility is probably one of the key lessons that I've, I've taken away from this. And that you can still have a team and that a team is still important and that you need to be really in tune to the relationships. So I'm I'm a very in-person people person kind of thing. Uh, you know, I tell people I, you know, I don't really like this Zoom thing. I don't do well with it. I don't like to present with it. Well, that's really kind of closed-minded of me. So I've had to put into my toolbox, okay, so how do I Connect differently. So, okay, let's let's open my mind and, and do the research. So, I've attended some, you know, educational programming on how does one do this? How does one do this better? What what are the things one needs to do to connect with one's audience? So, that's been really kind of nice too. And I've also recognized, back to the comment about you know people how they react in crisis, is that. You know, I'm I'm pretty hands off with my folks, with my team, and you know, we we have our jobs. We had the way that we used to meet and connect and do all those things, and you know, I trust them as professionals to do what they need to do. But as we've gone into this, I recognize that that wasn't still working for everyone because of where they were. So, I had to think not only about what I was going through and what I was dealing with it became very obvious to me that I needed to change my leadership and connection style with them as well too. And as I talk with practices and with practice executives and doctors about this, that has really been probably the biggest lesson I've taken away from them. And and certainly MGMA has focused on the, the staffing issues that we have and actually, uh, saw in an email this week that you all were doing a webinar on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that has been the biggest lesson for me is that suddenly we're having to deal not only with people in a professional sense and their work performance, but as you know, we all bring who we are to work. And, and I talked about trying to separate what a person does from whom a person is. And I think you still need to do that from a performance perspective. But we also now, as leaders, are having to deal with who people are and where they are. Um, We, uh, in, in my workspace, we formed a working parents support group. And, you know, and, and it's not that we're doing anything great or grand for them beyond giving them flexibility to work the way that they need to work. And luckily we can do that, but it was a place for them to gather and for them to talk. And you know, we have a member of our leadership team who facilitates those meetings to make sure that they don't become negative or go off the rails. And also at the same time to keep an eye on things, what can we do for employees? So uh, I think that as leaders, we have to understand that we need to be paying a lot of attention to our employees' mental health right now.
0: Hmm. Thanks for sharing that. And you brought up a topic that is, uh, you can't have a conversation these days around healthcare without talking about staffing. And uh, it has been crushing in a lot of ways uh, to healthcare, to practices, and not just in healthcare. We've all seen it in industries, no matter when we go out and try to get food um, or get helped at any kind of retail place. They're just, everybody's understaffed right now. And then it has, again, it has this ripple effect in so many different ways. So can you share a story with us on how effective leadership has helped at least weather the storm, helped uh, provide um, some strength there for those staffs, for, for that Understaffed group who's just fighting through, trying to work through um, through all the challenges that they have right now.
1: Yeah, it it really has been a challenge. And um, again, I I talk to a lot of people, and you know the the ones who seem to be struggling the most are the ones where they they are they don't have strong leadership and they've not connected to their employees. But you know, talking about some of the successes those practices those practice leaders who have been doing what they needed to do all along in terms of you know providing a positive culture being honest with their employees telling them what they can tell them tell them what they can't tell them what they don't know all those things they have forged those relationships and that support network over long term and you know they they've created that culture of we're all in this together and they have in gendered a sense of loyalty from their employees and was talking to a, a group administrator. And um, it's not a huge group, you know, she's got five or six doctors. So, you know, relatively small staff, they all know each other pretty well, but they're they're adjacent to a hospital. And she was telling me, you know, there's, there's a lot of fighting for employees out there, as you pointed out, and her, uh, most of her employees, had been approached by the hospital and offered a job uh at a pay increase and they all came back to her and said you know just wanted you to know this didn't want you to hear it through the grapevine, but i'm not going anywhere because i know that you all are going to take care of me i know you've got my back i know that yes i could leave and go and make more money for now but there's not going to be any loyalty to me there and that just really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. That these employees felt like the practice, the doctors, the practice manager, was loyal to them, and and that's where the success is. That's where you can't just create this overnight. It has to be there before. And yeah, and this practice executive all through COVID has you know said you know we're going to get through this together this is what we know today this is what we think this means and you know this is what we think is going to happen and here's what we're going to do and and none of those practices have had to put in vaccine mandates you know if they've had employees who had concerns they've talked about them. I uh, actually uh, was talking to a physician and um, they were one of the first groups to get everybody vaccinated. They have a rural health clinic. So they had access to the vaccine, right at the beginning of everything. And they had two employees who didn't wanna do the vaccine. And rather than put in a mandate, he said, okay, well, let's sit down and talk about this. And so he took the time out of his schedule to sit and go through all of their concerns with them. And they both were like, okay, great. So uh, again, those those success stories around stacking where people are, are staying, where they're loyal,
0: they're not leaving for mo- more money, are about the relationships. That's wonderful. Well, Steve, I have uh, one last question then for yeah. you. So we heard about your sort of origin story, how <laughs> you got to where you are, so... I I know among our listeners here, we have people who are still on that path trying to get to a certain destination in their leadership journey. So what are some words of advice you'd want to leave them with? I I understand that I have
1: a 21 year old college senior that is now on her third major. Uh, And, you know, asked me the question as when she made the last change, she said, well, how do I know what I want to do with the rest of my life? And (laughs) My response was, Well, honey, you don't have to. I'm not sure that I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. But the advice I gave her was keep your options open, find what excites you, what energizes you. And, you know, I, I fell into this healthcare path and I, I would like to think that, you know, that this was the way it was supposed to be. But for me, it has been about the people, it's been about the relationships, it's about the difference that I've been able to make in recognizing that, you know, there's not a clinical bone in my body, but I do believe that through what I've done in supporting people who see patients that I've been able to make a difference. And so I, I think those are the things, find something that excites you, find something that plays on your skills, uh, and and in terms of real advice is you know, find a good mentor. Find someone that you respect, that you admire, and just talk to them about their path, about their journey. Look for the advice. Be willing to put yourself out there and make those relationships. Every job I have ever had, and I've had only three as an adult, has been because somebody came to me and that is just about being there, about being visible. Had I not been in organizations where I developed relationships, where I volunteered to do stuff, um, those things wouldn't have happened. Um, do what you say you're going to do and do it well. People will remember if you miss deadlines. People will remember if you are unprepared. People will remember if you don't follow up. So again, that that piece of that is, is character there. So my, my words of advice to kind of assemble up, put all that rambling together there is, you know, decide who you want to be as a person, find people that support that, continue to learn, to grow, be willing to open your mind to those things and have some fun along the way.
0: Love that, Steve. Well, thank you so much for sharing these thoughts with us on the inaugural Um leadership podcast for mgma it's been a blast talking to you and learning about your journey in leadership
1: oh well thank you daniel it's good to see you and i i again it's it's just an opportunity that if this makes a difference for anybody it's it's all worth it
0: well that's going to do it for this episode of insights thanks to our guest steve dickens also, thanks to Mineral Tree and to Medevolve for sponsoring this week's show. Mineral Tree is the leading AP and payment automation provider in healthcare, and they'd love to show you why. To learn more, visit mineraltree.com/mgma. If you don't know the outcomes your staff are producing every day, you aren't operating successfully metavolve can help you find solutions to those biggest problems that medical practices face. Go to metavolve.com to learn more. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or you can find me on Twitter at mgmadaniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe, and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com membership. Thanks.